0: Welcome to the Time Management Podcast with me, your host, Abigail Barnes. I'm a productivity coach, global speaker, time management author, and award-winning entrepreneur on a mission to share the 888 formula with the world and to remind you that it's your time. Leave it to me to bring you new time management tips, tricks, tools, and strategies to introduce you to guests, research, and case studies from around the world, and to give you a simple five-step process you can follow to uplevel your productivity, achieve your goals, and create a life that exceeds your wildest dreams. I'm so excited that you're here, so let's get started. Hello and welcome to the show. Today, I am joined by the amazing Chris Payton. Chris, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Abigail. really delighted to be here.
0: I'm so excited to have a conversation with this incredible human who is going to share around three, four decades worth of experience and his relationship with time. So as always, let's just dive straight in. And who is Chris Payton in a nutshell?
1: A former officer in the Royal Marines. I spent just over 18 years in the Royal Marines in a variety of different jobs, all the ones that you'd expect hiding under bushes um, in the middle of holiday hotspots, through to being the head of planning operations in Helmand province in Afghanistan. And then my last job before I transitioned out of the military for two and a bit years, was head of strategy on Afghanistan to the David Cameron government when he was prime minister. And across the last 12 years, I have built from scratch a consultancy that specializes in organizational culture and people development and fixing people problems in businesses, whether it's around scaling businesses or M&A or stuff like that. I live down in the southwest in Cornwall. I have been married for 24 years, have two grown-up children, and now a 12-week-old granddaughter.
0: Yes, I didn't realise you were grandfather. Congratulations!
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pretty special life moment, it has to be said.
0: So this is going to be a big holiday Christmas for you and your family this year with a little one.
1: It is. It is. It's going to be quite special. It's going to be quite special. And we've got my parents coming down to us this Christmas. So we're going to end up with great grandparents, grandparents, and yeah, all children and grandchildren all in the house on Christmas Day. So somebody like me who is a people, out and out people person, that is something I'm really looking forward to.
0: What a life moment to get this conversation going, talk to us about your relationship with time over the years. Have you always been good at time? I imagine the military and time was a big life learning lesson. I'd love to hear your experiences. I
1: guess it depends on what your definition of good with time is. So in the military, you're quite right. You know, you're very disciplined on time and I still feel I'm very disciplined on time, there's no doubt about it, that military experience has inculcated in me, getting to places, allowing time to travel to places, allowing a bit of flex within the time to get there, so I'm there five minutes before, prepping before things. That is definitely something that that runs through. Am I good at allowing for the correct balance of time or blend of time Uh, i did had a conversation not so long ago with people talking about work-life blend rather than work-life balance do i do i get those various aspects right and allocate enough time to the different aspects i'd say i'm not particularly great at that still now in the military there was a lot of obviously physical exercise And that's something that's quite important to me. I like to keep fit. It's important for for my mental health as much as my physical health. But through this summer, there was a point where I hadn't done any exercise at all, apart from dog walk, for the best part of three months. So yes, discipline and structure around time, timetabling, what my agenda looks like. Building in the right amount of time to do the right things in the right shape and in the right focus, probably not so good.
0: And so, before you entered the military, were you good with time, or do you feel like that's where you earned your stripes, metaphorically and time-wise?
1: I was pretty good with time uh, because when we were brought up, we were brought up to to be on time, to be good with time. You know, it was it was not a strict household. But, you know, you were expected to be where you were meant to be. And, you know, that was was still part of me. University, I did a very boring university degree, which meant that it was a a lot of time in lectures. And so, you know, you didn't have the opportunity just to kick back and chill out. It was a fairly busy degree. So I kind of went from an an upbringing of being on time and being quite disciplined and you had jobs to do and then work to do. You know, at uh, age sixteen, I was jumping on a a milk delivery van with somebody else who's and and being driven around and helping with that before I went to school, so I had to be up early in the morning and so yeah i've I've kind of always been good at that bit my, my daughter my daughter says you know if I was coming to arrange to pick her up from somewhere. You know, I was never early and never late. It was always bang on time. Somehow, she said you could always rely that the car would pull up bang on time. And
0: I bet sometimes it was, yeah. If you could just wait round the corner for five minutes and be five minutes late, then you know that that would be that would be good. Thanks, (laughs) Dad. There
1: may have been a few of those as we were going through those those yeah those teenage into adult years before they start driving themselves around, which becomes wonderful. (laughs)
0: For the benefit of the listeners, I've known Chris for a huge number of years. We met at a networking event back in the day. And I'm sure I bored Chris with the stories about being in the Air Cadets in my teenage years, but it's not something that I've talked about on the podcast. So just for the reference of people, I was in the Air Cadets from the age of 13 until 18 because I wanted to be a pilot. I'd watched Top Gun it was about that time and I thought that was a good idea. Where I'm going with this was they had a phrase that was if you weren't 5 minutes early you were late. Was that something that you were taught in in the branch of the military that you were in?
1: Yes, absolutely. It was it was absolutely rigorous. The downside of that was that if you were going to some sort of large scale thing everybody at their separate levels would add their five minutes on. So if you're quite junior in the organization, you would find yourself turning up five minutes before the time that you'd been given, only to find that you're about an hour and a half earlier than than you were actually needed because everybody had added five minutes on. So that got a little bit frustrating. Hurry up and wait, we used to call it. That's
0: funny. So it's really sounding to me like you've always been aware of time and you've always been good, in essence, from my understanding and what I'm hearing, good with managing it and using it. How has your perspective of time changed over the years? We talk about time and how we manage it. Do you see that time is something you can manage or is time something that you allocate? And if so... How are you allocating it these days and perhaps what's changed your perspective of it over the years? Up
1: to the point at which I left the military, I wouldn't say that you're really able to manage time because, you you know, you've got a series of things you have to do and where you have to be. And effectively, you know, it's being you, you're setting your own timelines to a degree as you get more grown up in the military and you get to to you know more senior leadership positions or more senior positions regardless you can start to set your own time to a degree but not always i then had a real shift when i left the military and set up the business the the big joke in the house was that i'd left the royal marines to spend more time with the family but i was actually spending considerably less time with the family. And that was because I'd chosen a particular path. You know, I didn't choose like several of my peers to go off into another organization, whether it be some sort of startup or scale up or whatever else it is. I, you know, I kind of fell and stumbled into through a series of unfortunate events into building my own thing from scratch by myself. Now, anybody that's been through that or explored that, you know, with your your own set Abigail, you'll know, you know, it's, it's quite punishing. Somebody said to me the other day, or, you know, 12, 12 years into, into your business, you know, are you still enjoying it? And I said, to be honest, I'm only just starting to enjoy it. Because, you know, it was eight and a half to nine years of just relentless grind and effort. And every single waking moment seemed to be orientated around the business and what the business was doing and where it was going and recovering from problems in the business recovering from blips that the business was having so you know that that was a that was a significant step change and shift i then had quite a wake up call in 2016 so this would have been 4 years into building the business when we suddenly discovered I'd got a tumour in my head and needed to go and have a a tumour removed. And having come out the other side of that, a lot of people said, oh, I guess you're going to now ease back, take your time, you know, and really, you know, enjoy life. And, And I was like, no, I'm actually the opposite. I want to hit all the levers of my social my work life my family life and push all of them fully forward because i've just had this point where actually it could have all stopped so i'm now determined to go even faster and even harder did that for eight years and just now i feel i'm just about starting to get to the point where the business and the team that i have in the business is large enough and multidisciplinary enough across the different sort of functional areas that i can start to just ease back a little bit and think about the so what and the what's next creating a bit of time but i still need also to kind of be forced into things a bit back to my military side so you know some friends and i go away every couple of years if we can and do some ridiculous mountaineering skiing up hills and up mountains and then going over the top and we've got a trip on next march and one of the the people in the team sent through an advent fitness challenge where you've got to do a minimum of 30 minutes a day continuous exercise and actually that's been really good for me because I don't want to let my team down because we're together as a team on this, on this site. So that's forced me to do much more than I even would do now thinking about it. So I've gone through, I guess, a series of different parts on that curve and that graph as I've gone over time from the military through the early stages of the business, through the medical side of things, and on now to... A mature business that's doing well, and I can actually start to have a different, slightly different emphasis and a different relationship with time.
0: Thank you for sharing all of this. There's so many incredible tangents that we can take this conversation off on now. And I just want to touch on the first bit because we met at a networking event. So obviously, we were in the early stages of our businesses, fresh eyed and full of enthusiasm, not knowing what we didn't know. And it really is a journey, isn't it? This whole entrepreneurial, well, I'll set up my own thing and then I'll have more time and more freedom. And then the irony.
1: Yes. Yeah, it it it, it is. It is tricky. It is tricky because you, you're having to do everything. If you, you know, I think that setting something up and starting off on your own as just an individual is probably, you know, one of the more challenging routes to take because, you know, if you're, you're wanting to obviously to to earn a living so you are doing some delivery and you're charging some clients money for that delivery but the whole time you're doing that you're not developing any new business so you start to go through this horrible go away and build business while you're not earning any and then deliver the business while you're not building any business and that sine wave kind of goes on so you know, and everybody's different. There'll be people who will have jumped off to set up a business with three or four people in the business. So to start off with, that's a little bit, you know, a little bit better for them. They've got a bit of mutual support. They can talk to one another and share with one another how tough it is, you know, and some can be doing delivery while others are doing business development. So it, it sort of depends on where that, you know, if, if people do go into the entrepreneurial world, where they enter it. But it is, it is tricky. It is tricky trying to to you know to get everything around because people don't know about you people don't know who you are they don't know what you're doing coming from the business coming from the military world can be a bit of a hindrance because although people might respect what you've done and are curious about what you've done that you don't have any business acumen you don't have any business experience and so sometimes you can be having a fantastic conversation with somebody and you could be sitting there thinking, well, I know exactly how I can help you, but they don't get that same connection. You know, they don't tie that together and go, yes, you can definitely help me. They're, they're, You know, have this perception that you're a military person, you're going to come in and just bark orders and shout at people.
0: With the benefit of 12 years experience, let's just couch this question because it's so easy to see the things looking back, but. With the benefit of this experience, let's put this in a positive spin. From a time point of view, what would you say, looking back over the 12 years, were activities and time drains or time expenses, if you like, where you would make changes quicker, faster? And we can only do it with the
1: knowledge that we have. Yeah, no, absolutely. This is going to sound really quite critical and unpleasant, and I I don't see myself as that type of person, but not, not spending a lot of time chasing mirages, where the thing that I discovered a bit too late, really, in my transition from the military to the commercial world, is in the military, if people don't like what they say, what you're saying to them or don't agree with what you're saying to them or understand what you're saying but don't want it, they will tell you straight away. And so very quickly you get, the oh, that's where we are. And we can now shift to either something different or stop altogether or move on. And I found that when I first started doing the commercial side of things, I had an inordinate amount of conversations with people who were very, very positive, very encouraging. This is fantastic. We're really enjoying this. Yes, we should definitely do something. Send me through some bits and pieces and we'll have a follow-up conversation. And they never really had any intention of working with you. They were just basically being polite. And I wasn't used to that at all. I was used to people saying, that's great, Kind of interested. I can see why you're doing it, but it's not for us. Thank you. And and so I I wasted and hoovered up a huge amount of my own time and my family's time, which is the bit that's the bit that I really struggle with. If I'm honest, you know, twelve years in, is I still feel a huge sense of guilt of not being around for my family over the last twelve years, having not been around for my family much before that either. But I, a lot of that time was spent following up on people who seemed to be very positive, and then they would continue to be slightly positive. Oh yes, you know we must, yeah, absolutely, we must get that coffee in, and and they they're not meaning to, they're not being horrible, they just don't want to tell you that they they're not interested, and I found that. Very hard. And I think that that's one thing that I would definitely
0: change. That is such a great example. Thank you so much for sharing it. A mentor said once in a training that I was on, people are either committed or they're interested. Your job is to work out which one. And if they're interested, walk away. And if they're committed, sign them up. Which is easier said than done. And I probably like you get slightly frustrated these days with the logical answers from people who aren't in the arena swinging the swords. And so obviously this person was giving this advice or this strategy because they had been in the arena swinging the sword, but it really was a lovely soundbite. Well, work out if they're committed or interested and then move on. But from a time point of view and an energy point of view, and I'm not sure where you are on the scale of time and energy and seeing that time doesn't truly exist in the way that we believe it's time that it's more the the energy that we're allocating to it rather than the time we have a certain amount of energy every day our battery drains so are you actively allocating energy these days to things versus how much time am i spending yeah
1: so i'll i'll come to that in a sec but just picking up on previous what you said i think it you know not getting distracted by people who are interested, not committed is quite difficult if you're a specific type of person i you know I am somebody that likes relationships. You and I have known each other a long time. The clients that we're now working with and have been working with for a while are clients that we have a relationship with, and I've now made that one of the values in the business, right It's a personal connections. So, whoever we're working with, we have that personal connection with their teams, with everybody. So, we're talking to apprentices in a business all the way up to the CEO. Everybody should feel like we've got a personal connection with them. But if you are that type of person, it's actually quite hard to just walk away from somebody who's interested because I'm interested in them. I'm interested in them as a person. I want to know more about them, what makes them tick what their problems are and, and how I can help them. Or if I can't help them and the business can't help them, any suggestions that I can make that they could go away and implement by themselves. So that bit's quite tough. Do I do I do well on energy versus time? No, not at all. I I will focus a little bit. So I knew, obviously, that we had this podcast, you know, in the diary and i knew that time was there so i deliberately created a bit of space around it and i deliberately went off and did something this morning that gives me a bit of a buzz and a lift so that i could come to this feeling like i got lots of energy am i always good at doing that no i'm not absolutely not and there'll still be times where I find myself having a conversation and it could be at any point in the day it's not always at the end of the day it can be sometimes the start of the day and I know I had a session with the team with my team and it was a virtual it was a virtual chat we were all connecting up about some issue within the business not so long ago and I was just super tired and as to your point the battery was flat and I was I kind of reverted back to being quite short, get to the point, you know, if if you're an insights person, I I sort of shifted all towards more towards a more red personality, be brief, be gone, tell me what I need to know. And I'm going to be quite just blunt and tell, you know, back again. And when I'm normally quite a yellow, green person, that was a, you could see the whole team was sitting there going, what's going on with Chris? And it was mid-morning. It wasn't like it was at the end of the day and I'd had a long day. I was just, I'd had a, a long couple of days and as yeah, the battery was flat. So no, is the short answer. I'm not good at going, right, if I look at this day that I've got coming up, I'm going to save some energy for this bit here and save some energy for that bit there. And therefore, I'm going to do this in between the two and dial down here. No, I'm not good at that at all
0: thank you for the honesty but i love 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 to hear that you are aware of it and so my question i want to ask you next is what did you do this morning to make sure that you got into a good energy state for this conversation
1: i like taking the dogs for a walk i'm normally on the road about 4 days a week if not more so when i am at, to get out and and take the dogs for for a walk is is great it was teeming down with rain it's cold dark the dogs were both hugely unimpressed but but i was striding along with this water pouring off me in the dark feeling like i was a million dollars because it's just like yeah come on is that is that it's almost like that you know that um the you know in the tom hanks film where he's you know on the boat and In the ocean and you know the storms raging and you know his friend is shouting is that all you've got you know being out in bad weather for me is something that i actually perversely enjoy so that gave me a real buzz that i came in had a shower had some breakfast sat down had some time to look through some of the stuff that i've got coming up today so I, i gave myself an hour First of all, just to look through, make sure that I was happy with what's going on through the rest of the day, and deal with any time-sensitive bits. And then I felt like, okay, I'm set up. I've had a I've had a good bit of exercise. I've been out and done something I enjoy doing. I'm I'm happy that there's nothing lurking in my inbox that will cause me a problem for now. And now I'm sat down, ready to go.
0: Tell us something that you do on a daily basis that you really feel. Like most people don't do, and it might be a bit odd to you. But what is something that you're doing from a a time point of view, from a life point of view? Is there something that you're eating? Is there something that you're doing? Is there something that you're reading? Something that you're thinking? Somewhere that you're going? What is like almost a secret source ritual recipe that you do that you think most people don't do?
1: I subscribe to some online news articles and there's one called the knowledge and it's just a really nice summation of global news if you like and and issues presented in a really nice way and it's about a five ten minute read and it's it's like my little secret pleasure that at some point in the day i will switch off Entirely from everything that's going on, just to read the knowledge, and it's that five ten minutes of complete and utter switch off and focus on something else and something that's not family, it's not the house, it's not the work, it's not the business, it's not me and my fitness or anything. It's just ah, oh, I'm really enjoying this moment, if you like, of pause, so that's that's definitely one for one for me the obvious ones we've already mentioned, you know, I I do enjoy being able to get away and do some exercise. And if I get the chance, my favorite type of exercise is to go for a swim. And not just because I like swimming, but because it's sensory deprivation. So I have my head down and I am swimming along with my goggles on, head in the water, so I can't hear anything. And all I can see is the bottom of the pool. So again, for me, it's a way in which I can absolutely just switch off and go into, I've got a good friend, Chris Middleton, who used to talk about the power of daydreaming and just allowing yourself time in a day to daydream. And I find that I'm quite often daydreaming when I'm swimming because I'm going along, I'm I'm keeping track of what I've done because I'm setting myself a certain time or a certain distance that I want to swim. But because I've got that sensory deprivation, it just allows my mind to just spin off and go wandering off into all sorts of random corners. And yeah, th- those, are the, those are the bits that I find really help me.
0: What I'm hearing you say is that these are activities that allow you to switch your brain from different activities and and give it a rest and give it some release and give it some other Inputs from, from other areas. So, random question with the swimming Do you count when you're doing the stroke?
1: I know how many strokes I do to breathing both sides. I do five strokes and, and I take a breath and then five strokes and I take a breath on the other side. But I don't count. I used to, but now I think it's become so, such a rhythm and a pattern that actually it just happens naturally.
0: Sometimes the counting is the way that we can mindfully guide our our mind into the the present moment. But obviously what you're demonstrating is that you've built the muscle memory to the point where then this exercise allows you to to use it for ideation and, and daydreaming, which is fantastic. What are you working on? What have you got coming up for 2024? How can we find out more about you, about Quirk Solutions and Connecting?
1: Well, people can just connect with me on LinkedIn. To be honest, that's the easiest way that they'll they'll find me, and more than happy to to follow up with people there. If they want to know a little bit more about the company, they can go to QuirkSolutions.co.uk, and again, there's there's a contact form there. We've got we've got a lot coming up over over 2024. The business is is growing quite nicely. We've got some new people joining us, which we're very excited about. Who are starting in January? We've had 10 new team members join us this year so there's there's a there's, there's a fair bit of work going on the work is a nice mixture i feel a nice blend of people development and leadership development that we're running for some clients so we've got some packages running on two day or half day or even five day packages depending what people want for leadership development and, and skills within businesses. We're doing a lot at the moment of culture diagnostics and particular culture diagnostics around MA. So, helping organizations do MA a lot better because they've done the due diligence around financials and legals. But the thing that trips everybody up is the people side of things and bringing different cultures together. And we can literally produce a map of both cultures in both organizations and then show where those are aligned or misaligned and what we're going to do to to bring that alignment together quicker so that's good fun really enjoy seeing that happen and the difference that that can make to clients getting you know the the integration done an awful lot quicker so that the whole thing starts to click and fizz that's good fun and then we're doing some strategy work for an organization that's expanding globally with a, a new a brand new service offering and they wanted to really have somebody keep an eye across their strategy and help them with their strategy. So we're, we're doing that. So yeah, it's, there's, there's, there's lots on lots of different areas, but it's all stuff that we really enjoy. You know, another, another, you know, val- we only got three values, but the, you know, another one is positive change. And that's a big thing for all of us is Positive change for us as a team, growing, learning, developing, helping each other, but positive change for the people that we work with. You know, I, I don't have an awful lot of interest in going and supporting a company that isn't really committed to to really wanting to to change things. I want to go into companies that really want to see change, and we can enable that, and then seeing it happen. Because otherwise, you're just wasting everybody's time.
0: Where are you and your organisation on AI? How are you embracing it, not embracing it? What's what's the learning curve on that one? Because this seems to be a conversation everybody's having.
1: Given that we are about trying to develop people skills and behaviours, right? I mean, a lot of what we do is around helping organisations achieve their strategies and achieve their targets. But we're not doing it through working out what their market is doing we're not doing it through working out what their you know their clients and their client base is doing or the competitors are doing we're not doing it around if you like you know those those different factors or the technical design of a strategy we can do that and we understand it what we're really focused on is how does the people side of that engine come together to make it work How do the strategic planning pieces cascade down through the organization? How do people become more empowered? How do they get more accountability within the organization? So because of that, for us, a lot of what we're doing is being in a room with people and talking. So the AI side of things there is a little bit limited, where we are bringing in some AI is on the culture diagnostics that we're doing because we've put together some technology so we can now go to an organization you know some of our clients have got you know up to 1500 employees you know we tend we tend to operate in sort of mid-market and and scaling businesses that are looking to grow really fast we do have some corporate clients we do have some sme clients but the majority is in that you know, that central area, mid-market area. And so to be able to use the AI to interpret the results that we get back from those culture diagnostics and to start to do the initial analysis, that's been super interesting to do, saving us a lot of time because then we're looking at what the AI is suggesting and saying, yes, that would make sense, or actually, no, we disagree with you, AI, on this one, but, you know, it, yeah, using using it in that way to help interpret and provide a much quicker result for the client on what the culture diagnostic is and what we're sharing back with them about how they can improve the culture of their organizations. That's where we're starting to use it.
0: I'm hearing you say that you're using this AI as a tool within your organization and that really your main focus is on empowering the talent to identify their key skill sets in order to be able to differentiate themselves I I feel like the conversation is part hype and part usefulness. That this is outsourcing of of the '90s. That this is just a a new phase, and it's really for us to understand how it can assist us versus replace things. I I feel in essence that everything is always about evolving, evolving, evolving. Will this skill set this piece of knowledge help make the process better yes or no if it's no then we will do it using whatever we have and if it's yes then that's cool
1: you're quite right we're we aren't using it to replace anything we're you know what we're using it for is a way of gaining time which is ironic right given what we're chatting about here what what adds value for the people that we're connected with and that we're working with or in you know talking to is being with our team and being with the people on my team and learning from them and then you know sharing thoughts and helping th- those organizations and those individuals improve well for me therefore I want to drive up the amount of contact time that people have with my team because that's where we make a real difference because of the individuals that I've got the brilliant individuals that I've got in the business so do I really want to have some of my team and their time spent analyzing results no not particularly I want them out with the contact time with people so what can I bring in that helps us analyze the results you know and do some of that work for us well that's the ai so that's great let's bring that in plug that in there because then it allows us to do even more of the stuff that adds value
0: as we wrap this episode up, Chris, is there any question you haven't been asked, you'd have liked to be asked, and or if there are any thoughts that you've got on time that you would like to share with the audience?
1: It's going to sound horribly lecturing, but the only thing that I would share is that, you know, having recently become a grandfather, I have found myself now a couple of times at night. If I've woken up in the night, I have found myself ruminating on how much time I have left, because you know, that is a life moment as you <laughs> become a grandparent, when you suddenly realize, actually, yeah, I am now a lot closer to not being here than I have been to being here, and that has caused me to definitely ask myself more questions around. What am I doing? What should I be doing? How much should I be doing of what? And have I always made the right sort of choices on use of my time? And I I wouldn't ever be the sort of person that will then beat myself up senselessly about, I haven't made the best use of my time over the years. As I've said, you know, earlier in this chat, I, I do feel guilty about the amount of time I spent away from the family. But they, in return, often say to me, you know, but we wouldn't have the life that we now have if you hadn't done the things that you've done. So I'm almost beating myself up, but they're appreciating it and supporting me. But I am now just having a little bit more of a questioning approach to what am I doing? Where am I going? How much time am I spending on this? Because I'm conscious that I am getting to the point where in my life, you know i need to appreciate the time that i have left and it's up until this point i guess either through experiences of being in combat situations that i've survived or coming out of the you know the tumor that i survived you get a little bit of a superhero well you know i'm you know i'm invincible and actually I'm just coming to the point now where I'm like, no, you're not invincible and time is finite and I need to start looking at that a lot more closely.
0: Again, such a vulnerable answer. What I'm hearing you say there is that you're really alchemizing your next step and next chapter. Is there anything that you've come to the conclusion of, this is what I'm going to do more of in 2024 and this is what I'm going to do less of? Or is it too early to say yet?
1: I have an idea of where I'd like to be at the end of 2025, and 2024 is part of the progression towards that. So I have set myself a very deliberate shift, and I understand, yeah, the processes and the things I'm going to need to do to get from A to B. But it's it's going to be an incremental shift rather than a I'm now doing
0: watch this space. That sounds very cryptic, very exciting. Chris, Peyton, thank you so, so much for your time. I appreciate you. you. are a very busy man and you have shared some incredible wisdom and experience with us on this episode. Today, Chris has shared where you can reach out to him on LinkedIn. All of those links, as always, will be in the show notes. Until next time, my friends, stay safe, stay well, and don't forget, it's your time. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Thank
1: you, Abigail. It's been a real pleasure.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you loved what you heard, be sure to let me know by leaving a review so I can keep the good stuff coming. Come and say hi on Instagram at successbydesigntraining or visit my website, successbydesigntraining.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search Abigail Barnes. Until next time, don't forget, you are amazing, amazing and it's your time.